Our first scripture reading this morning comes from Psalm 147. Praise the Lord, for it is good to sing praises to our God, for it is pleasant and a song of praise is fitting. The Lord builds up Jerusalem. He gathers the outcasts of Israel. He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. He determines the number of the stars. He gives to all of them their names. Great is our Lord and abundant in power. His understanding is beyond measure. The Lord lifts up the humble. He casts the wicked to the ground. Sing to the Lord with thanksgiving. Make melody to our God on the lyre. He covers the heavens with clouds. He prepares rain for the earth. He makes grass grow on the hills. He gives to the beasts their food and to the young ravens that cry. His delight is not in the strength of the horse, nor his pleasure in the legs of a man. But the Lord takes pleasure in those who fear him, in those who hope in his steadfast love. Praise the Lord, O Jerusalem. Praise your God, O Zion. For he strengthens the bars of your gates. He blesses your children within you. He makes peace in your borders. He fills you with the finest of the wheat. He sends out his command to the earth. His word runs swiftly. He gives snow like wool. He scatters frost like ashes. He hurls down his crystals of ice like crumbs. Who can stand before his cold? He sends out his word and melts them. He makes his wind blow and the waters flow. He declares his word to Jacob, his statutes and rules to Israel. He has not dealt thus with any other nation. They do not know his rules. Praise the Lord. And now from Luke 2, verses 1 through 7. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in the swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Well, again, good morning and Merry Christmas. Good to see everybody here this morning. And excited about what we're looking at and was thinking about a good psalm for Christmas morning. Um, This is a psalm that calls us to celebrate, to rejoice. We could look at several other psalms that are psalms of celebration and rejoicing, but this one also seemed appropriate because just as Robert read, there's ice and snow and cold in this psalm. So I felt like uh, this would be the right one for this morning. But as we look at Psalm 147, we're thinking about a celebration. We're thinking about a party. This is about us coming to God and celebrating how, God, how great God is with music, with storytelling, with even longing for something great that's above us and beyond us. This is how you know you've been to a good party. I went to a good party last night. We had friends that 
invite us over every Christmas Eve. We've been doing it now for 15 years. And we got there, and there were people laughing. There were people telling stories about when kids were little and that you've grown and all that stuff. And we talked about when we're going to get together again. It was a good party. This is what Christmas is. It's a celebration. It's a celebration about how great God is and that God has given us something amazing and that we're going to our forever home. It's not us going home for Christmas back to our hometown or to a house. It's going to be about us going to heaven. And this is what Psalm 147 is pointing us to, is the celebration the celebration of all that God has done. And as good Presbyterians, we know that we have this opportunity to glorify God and enjoy him forever. This is our chief end. And so if we're going to do that, today's the day. Let's do it. Let's celebrate the greatness of God as his people. And so three things I want to point out from the passage, from the psalm. Is first of all, singing to God, second, reflecting on redemption, and then third, longing for home. Notice here, singing to God. And as Robert read the psalm, we hear a lot of call here by the psalmist to sing, to praise the Lord. Look at verse 1, praise the Lord, for it is good to sing praises to our God, for it is pleasant and a song of praise is fitting. This is the call. This is, this is what we're to do, is to praise God, to sing to God. Look at verse 7, which is, again, the, the beginning of the, of the second stanza, or the second verse of this psalm. Sing to the Lord with thanksgiving. Make melody to our God on the lyre. And then verse 12, praise the Lord, O Jerusalem. Praise your God, O Zion. And then the very end of the psalm, praise the Lord. The beginning of the psalm is praise the Lord. The end of the psalm is praise the Lord. All through it is praise the Lord. And the call here is to sing, to make a song to God. This is why we sing when we come here to worship. We're told to do so in the scripture. But also singing to God, praising the Lord, is a response to how great he is. We know who he is. We see what he does. And how we respond to it is through singing. The psalmist tells us what to do. He also tells us why we should praise the Lord. We could go through the psalm and there's a lot of reasons. I just want to point out a couple here. Look at verse 2. Because the Lord builds up Jerusalem, we praise him. Because the Lord gathers the outcast of Israel, because he heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds, because he determines or plans the number of the stars, he gives to all of them their names. Verse 5, because God is great. He's abundant in power. His understanding is beyond measure. This is who God is. He's great. And he builds up things, redeems people. God lifts up the humble and the lowly. 
He's fair. He's good, as we talked about last night. And he does all these things, and so God doesn't just tell us to praise him. He tells us why we should. He gives us those reasons. And as the psalmist says here in verse 1, because it is pleasant to do so. It's appropriate. It's fitting. This is the right response to how great God is and how great his works are. We should sing. We should not be silent toward God. We should declare how great he is. Charles Spurgeon, the prince of preachers, said it this way, It is good because it is right. Good to sing to God because it is acceptable with God. It is beneficial to ourselves and it is stimulating to our fellows. Singing the divine praises is the best possible use of our speech. It speaks of God, it speaks for God, it speaks to God. And it does this in a joyful and reverent manner. Singing in the heart is good, but singing with the heart and the voice is better, for it allows others to join with us. We should sing. And we should sing to God. And we should sing together as a church to God. Again, this is appropriate. This is fitting. It's kind of like when a baby is born and we find out that our friend or or a relative had a child. We appropriately give them thanks. We, We celebrate with them. We rejoice for this life. Why? It's appropriate. We celebrate something. This is what we do today on Christmas. We celebrate the birth of Jesus. And it's appropriate for us to come in this place this morning and worship and sing and declare the greatness of God because of what he has done for us, because he sent us his son. Hark the herald angels sing, glory to the newborn king. What better day to do this than on Christmas? What better day to sing to God than today to join the angels to celebrate the goodness of God? Here's your application number one from my sermon. Sing. You've got two more chances, two more chances in our service today to declare, to praise the Lord and to worship him. So first of all, notice the singing is the response of celebration to God. Secondly, is reflecting on the redemption of God as a response to celebrate God. Again, when we have a party, a good party, we tell stories. If you go to a good party with good friends and family, you're going to sit around and you're going to talk about the past, right? You're going to talk about something funny. You're going to talk about something memorable, It's part of enjoying and reflecting and having a party with other people. We went to a party last night where we sat around and told stories, and it just reminded me of this friendship that I've had with with folks for a long time. 
And it made me thankful. It made me thankful for the relationship that I have with good friends. And this is what the psalmist is doing here. Is he's reflecting back on what God has done. Look at verse 4 and notice what he says about God's creation as he's reflecting on God. He determines or, or he plans the numbers of the stars. He gives all of them their names. This is what God does. You can almost imagine the psalmist sitting out in the field, looking up at the stars and saying, look at God. Look at how much he's done. Do you know how many stars there are? I don't. (laughs) And I don't think anyone does. But there's estimations, or, or probably a better word is guesstimations, about how many stars there are. Currently, scientists believe there are 300 septillion stars. That's 24 zeros. That's a trillion, trillion stars. There are more stars than there are grains of sand on the earth. When you go to the beach, you pick up some sand, each one of those grains. Think about that. Think about a desert and all the sand. There are more stars than that. And God made each one of them. And the psalmist says he named each one of them. This is God. And we reflect on him as the first source, as we talked about last night, that he's the source of all good. He's the creator. He created out of himself, out of his goodness. And he did it out of nothing. God had no resources to create these stars. He spoke them into existence. And this is who he is. Same God also that created the stars, that named every one of them, the psalmist said, is good and kind and brings redemption to people's lives. Again, back up and think about how big God is, and then also think about how he specifically deals with each person. And he brings redemption and justice and fairness to people's lives. Verse 3 says this, he heals the brokenhearted. He binds up their wounds. A better translation of this, I think, instead of binding up, the Christian standard Bible says, he heals the brokenhearted and he bandages their wounds. The same God who made the stars and created all things comes to us in our sin and bandages up our hearts and deals specifically with the brokenhearted. He doesn't overlook anything. He's involved in every bit of our lives. Again, one commentator said, come broken hearts, come to the physician who never fails to heal. 
uncover your wounds to him who so tenderly binds them up. Same God that put the stars in place and cares for each person specifically. How does God bandage our wounds? How does he deal with the brokenhearted? Again, we know that he does this through his son. What we celebrate today, what we tell stories about in our own salvation, that God comes to us through Jesus, through the son that was born, as, as Robert read for us from Luke 2, that Jesus came and was born, and he binds up our wounds. He heals us as broken-hearted people. The holy came to the unholy. The redeemer came to us who need redemption. Unto us a child is born, a son is given. This is the best gift that we could ever receive. And from the God who made everything. What's the best gift you've gotten so far for Christmas? Now, some of you are sitting there saying, well, I'll find out when I go home. I wish you would hurry up and finish this sermon so I can go home and open my presents. I can tell you that the best gift I got last year was a gift card or, or a gift certificate to Topgolf, if you've ever been to Topgolf. But that gift certificate is still sitting in my closet. It has not been redeemed yet. Now, I'm wanting to do that because I like going to Top Golf, but I keep forgetting to redeem it. That we get gifts, and sometimes we don't really see the power of them. We put them in a closet. But the gift given to us through Jesus is the greatest redemption. That this is your redemption today. You're in Christ. You're in union with him. Jesus came for you. Now, as you're sitting there this morning, some people may say, well, maybe he came for others. I get this Christmas thing. I like it. We give gifts. We sing songs. We hang out with family. But do you know he came for you? To redeem your life. All the stuff, all the bad stuff. To make all the bad things good. That redemption is yours in Christ. He's the greatest gift that has ever been given. And so how do we respond? We celebrate him. We celebrate today that he has come for us. That he is our true redeemer and so again, let's reflect on his redemption. Let's sing to him. And then finally here, let's look to home. Look at verse 2. The Lord builds up Jerusalem. He gathers the outcasts of Israel. Look again at what God does. He builds his church. When he's talking about Jerusalem, he's talking about the place of the people of God, specifically the center of his, of his people. And he's talking, too, about bringing in the outcast. And so there are people that are already in the church that he's building up. And then he's reaching out to the outcast and bringing them in as well. This is a picture of the church. That we're here this morning as Christians. We're here to, to celebrate 
Christmas, and then also we're here to bring in other people, the outcasts, those who are not yet part of our church. If you're here and you're a Christian, you're in the right place. If you're here and you're not yet a Christian, you're in the right place. Because this is what God's up to, is building his people, building his church, to see Jerusalem, the city of peace, become just that, the true peace of God and the true peace of his people. But also what this shows us is there's going to be a new Jerusalem. There's going to be a place that we go, that there will no longer be crying and tears and difficulty. We'll finally be home, our true home, the place that we don't have to worry anymore the place that we can finally rest. Do you long for home? Do you long to go home and be able to relax and sit? When you get to the new Jerusalem in heaven, you'll rest forever. This is our forever home, and this really is what Christmas is about, is us longing for that. Some of us are going to go home. I'm leaving today to go down to Georgia to see family, to go back to my hometown. It's fun. I enjoy it. But it's not my forever home. Our forever home is with our Savior in redemption, full redemption, in heaven. And so as we celebrate Christmas, let's celebrate that. That our home is ahead of us in heaven, in the new Jerusalem. And so again, here's what I want you to do today. I want you to celebrate. I want you to rejoice. I want you to remember what Christ has done for you. I want you to sing. And I want you to tell stories about the goodness of God in our lives Today is Christmas. You're in the right place. And the response to this is to celebrate. Let's pray and let's celebrate the Lord together. Father, thank you that you give us so much to celebrate. We're just talking about a few of them today. Thank you that you are at work in each of us. Thank you that you bring forth your redemption to us. And and we pray this morning, Lord, that you would give us glad hearts that we would be full of joy and celebration because of Christ. Thank you for your church. I pray that you would continue to build us up. In Jesus' name, amen.